What's up? This is Johnny Tacos here with a Taco Tuesday testimonial, which is on a Wednesday. You know, you know it's never a set in time when God has a has a testimony, and tacos is good for any day of the week, even in morning breakfast tacos. But uh, first, before I have my guest on, I'd just like to let you know that thank you for uh, being a part of the show. Uh, the new listeners that come in on a daily, thank you for coming here. Uh, you think you're listening to a recipe show because of my name, but the only food I get is the uh, food and nourishment of uh, your for your soul through Jesus Christ. So uh, thank you for coming in. And to all my faithful uh, listeners, thank you for being here. You are the sauce on this taco supreme project that i have so i i do appreciate it uh we are now at three thousand downloads so i am so excited and i couldn't do it without y'all so if you like this uh, all the new people if you like this please uh like subscribe and share so we can spread uh, God's message through our testimonials and our interviews. So please, um, please, you know you want to, hit that subscribe button. So without any moment, here we go. All right, what's up? I'm here with a very special guest. I want you all to give your round of applause for the man of the hour, the veteran, the man who protected our lives, our freedom, Mr. Corey Yates. A little bit louder, please. All right. Hey, Corey. Hey, man, how you doing? Thanks for having me on, man. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. First of all, I want to say thank you for your service. I know it's a difficult road that you had to, to go through uh, being in the military because I do have a lot of family and friends that were in the military and unfortunately gave their life to the to, to the United States. So, Well, I'll tell you what, it was, it was, uh, it was my pleasure, man. I, the Army saved my life. In more ways than one, and we'll probably talk about that here in a little while. But you know, I met my wife in the army, and um, I mean, the army did a lot, a lot for me, man. So I, I didn't join out of a sense of patriotism. Uh, I joined strictly for self-preservation. So, um, but anyway, it, it provided ten years of of good life, man. So uh, thank you for your for your comments, man, and for your family. Thank you for their sacrifice. Well, you know it. It, it was a sacrifice that they, they believe was a, a a needed to for the protection. And it seems like my dogs are barking, so I do apologize. This is raw, uncut. The dogs are barking. They're, they're part of the fan club. So, But anyways, uh, let's talk about how the day in the life of Corey <laughs> when he was a youngster. Uh, were you 
were you always a Christian or did you, uh, or did you just come into finding God again? Man, I, you know, I was born and raised in a Southern Baptist church, uh, hellfire and brimstone. So, um, you know, I, I, I didn't have church wasn't optional for me. It was something that I had to do when I was young and, uh, you know, I did it and I was, I don't know, eight, maybe nine. I don't know. Whenever I, you know, walked the aisle and prayed the prayer and got dunked and, you know, did the deal, started reading my Bible and checking my boxes of what the people around me said I should do and the religion said I should do and, and all that. And, um, yeah, man. And that lasted, you know, into my teens, I did that, uh, fake the funk, you know, I never had a personal relationship with the Lord back then, but that's what the, my environment encouraged me to do. That's what I saw other people doing around me. So, you know, that's what I did, man. So, um, so growing up as a teenager, I know, uh, high school could be rough, especially, you know, for, for a man who, you know, you have your emotions, your hormones and everything going through. Um, how did you, how did you grow up as a teenager? Well, you know, I, I was kind of, a, and I was, I was blessed really, man. I was kind of a cool kid, you know, I had lots of friends and that type of stuff. And, you know, I always hung in, hung out with the, with the in crowd and, uh, all that. So it, that made it a lot, a lot easier than, you know, some people had it, but you know, when I was probably 10 or 11 years old, I was at a buddy of mine's house and we were in his attic and, uh, we found a box of magazines, uh, that were not lawn and garden. <laughs> and <laughs> we, uh, we started flipping through the pages and, and you know, that started, that started a cycle of addiction, man, when I was young. And, uh, it, it just carried on into my teenage years and, uh, that, and I wasn't necessarily addicted to the images as much as the rush of, you know, the doing something I wasn't supposed to be doing or not getting caught. Or, well, mostly not getting caught, <laughs> but, um, we, uh, you know, I just started doing, um, different things, whatever the, the in crowd did, you know, I started smoking when I was probably 12, 13 years old, started drinking and, uh, you know, that kind of got me through my high school years and you know i started having sex at a young age too so um man pornography when it gets a hold of your life it's just man it's brutal so it can destroy it can destroy you from a young age because it puts those images and thoughts in your head that you want to see what that's like in real life you know so you try to obtain that stuff and uh man it's just it's a it's a never-ending cycle uh thankfully that i've been you know delivered from but uh, yeah, it's that, that was the first thing that really started me on down a path of addiction that, man, it was crippling, uh, at one point in my life, but yeah, I was, uh, yeah, it was, it was intense, man, for a while, you know, I, when I was 18, I graduated and, uh, man, it wasn't long. I had a girl pregnant and, uh, we wound up having two kids and, man, the marriage fell apart and I just ran, dude. I started, I discovered the party life, you know, and, yeah. uh started doing drugs and stuff. So I know that's a little past the teenage years, but, uh, my teenage well, years kind of led up to that, you know? Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll get into that in just a second. Uh, you know, it is important, uh, for, for people, uh, for the parents to sit down and talk to their kids about, you know, when they accidentally find something, you know, you shouldn't have those at your house anyways, pornographic materials. And, yeah. and unfortunately we're living in a society today where they want to push it on our children 
all the way through kindergarten. And yeah. I, you can get me and on. It's so accessible too, man. Like for us, when I was growing up, it was a little bit harder to get. You know, you had to find a person that was shady enough to hang outside an easy mart or a sleazy gas station that would go in and buy your stuff for you. And, uh, you know, in a town of 1,400 people where your daddy's the police, that's kind of a challenge. Yeah. So I learned to be crafty at my addictions, uh, you know, at a young age. Yeah. And, it, and it's unfortunate where it's a little bit lighter now. People are not shunning pornographic materials. You, you have the, you have people, uh, teachers trying to in, install that stuff at a young age and try and teach people and not, uh, you know, and it's just getting to a point where it's just, it's just, they don't understand the damage that it can cause because children are so impressionable and they're so easy to get an addiction at that age. You know, you give them candy, they're addicted for life for candy. You know, just imagine what you give them the wrong tools and all that. So, uh, back to you, you know, growing, uh, when you, after your teen years, you started, uh, uh, going into drugs, right. You started getting into harder drugs. Yeah, man. So I moved away from uh, my hometown and discovered the party life, man. I started uh, waiting tables and stuff. So that's kind of a, well, that's a slippery slope, you know, when you get into to that top of environment and, uh, you know, I started out, I did acid was probably, that was the first drug I ever did. You know, I smoked a little weed in high school, but I never really did anything hard, you know? And, uh, so acid was the first thing I did and I tried ecstasy and man, that just rolled into, uh, meth and coke and just whatever man you know i never stuck a needle in my arm because i knew i seen what that did to people so i never I, I knew that if i ever did that there was no coming back yeah because i like i enjoyed it as much you know just doing it however any other way i could do it so i just knew that man if i ever stuck a needle in my arm that was a wrap so i'm not scared of needles obviously you know i'm all tatted up but uh I was scared of sticking one in my, in my veins to get drugs. So I, I never did that. But other than that, man, all bets were off, dude. And, you know, along the way, I realized how much power and influence the people that controlled the drugs, how much that control, if they control the drugs and they control the circle. So uh, I kind of rose up through the ranks pretty quick and I started dealing meth myself. And uh, I did that for a long time, man. And, uh, you know, I was, pretty successful at it because I did, I learned how to do the wrong things in the right way. Like I said, you know, being raised by the police, you kind of pick up things here and there and, uh, you know, you're able to apply those to whatever mission, whether it be good or bad in your life. Yeah. So what, what bad experience did you have when you were, when you were experimenting with, uh, with drugs and going through this lifestyle, there must've been a bad experience that had to shake you and wake you up. Well, you know, it's kind of crazy. Uh, I always prided myself on being an honest meth dealer, if that makes sense. Like, I never cheated anybody out of anything. I always, you know, my stuff always weighed what it was supposed to. It always had what it was, you know, I never shorted anybody or anything like that. I was always straight up. And because uh, I had seen over the years what people that did that, how they wound up, which was shot, stabbed, robbed, whatever, beat up, you know, and, uh, so I always tried to be fair in everything that I did because I didn't want to wind up like people that I know were shysty. So, um, <clears throat> but there towards the end, man, I, uh, 
I started being that way and I started shortening people and, you know, I wasn't, you know, there was a, what was it? Scarface said, never get high on your own supply. And, uh, you know, I did that for a long time. I didn't get high on my own supply, but then towards the end, I started doing it. And I just seen, I seen the end, you know, like in my mind, I could see I was either going to be in jail or dead or both, uh, in a short period of time, man. So I just cut my life and joined the army, man. That was the most extreme decision that I could think of to get away from that life, you know, cause I had rewind. I had two kids remember that. And, you know, I, I didn't have really anything to do with them, even though they live 30 minutes down the road. And the reason why is because I chose that life over them and I didn't want them to be exposed to the things that I was doing, you know, and uh, the decisions that I had to make. And cause when you're, in control of a scenario like that, you got to make tough calls and, uh, you know, people owe you money or you can just imagine, uh, some of the situations that, you know, a meth dealer would have to deal with. So I didn't want them to ever be exposed to that. So I just cut them out of my life. And, uh, you know, that was tough, man. Cause I mean, we've, we've mended the fences and we're all good now, but it took a lot of years, man. But, uh, yeah, joining the army. That's why I say I did it out of self-preservation, man. It wasn't because I was trying to be a patriot. It's because I knew that that, that that was the most controlled environment that I could think of where I couldn't have any freedom left or right, at least for the first three months. And uh, that's what I needed because I, I couldn't stay where I was and get out of the life. I was too deep, man. So I had to join the army and leave and be in a super controlled environment for me to get out of it. You know, and I sobered up just long enough to pass the drug test to go in the army and i would wake up in my bunk in basic training rubbing my bald head and wondering what in the heck i done did you know because it was <laughs> it was it was tough man i wake up cold sweats dreaming about some unfinished business that i had or you know that i was back in crazy situation or uh even dreaming about hitting off a meth bong you know it was just crazy man the things that but the thing is, is I got my recruiter when I was going in. I came in 2007, so I was 29 years old when I joined the Army. So I was a lot older than most people. And uh, my recruiter said, man, you can't tell them you get any drugs ever. You know, so I I, I kind of suffered in silence. I felt like I had to. Like I couldn't t- tell, you know, people, the soldiers, even to my left and right, that I was going through DTs, you know, the first couple of weeks in, in basic. So it was, a, it was an experience, man. It was a wild ride, dude. <laughs> so it must have been like a really big nightmare it's like something that you you know you can't help you can't tell your brothers that you're that you're going through pt with that you're going yeah. through all that you can't go and say hey i need a mat a medic or or uh, talk to your sergeant or anything you had to suffer like like what catholics do suffer in silence so that's right man Man, that's that, right. That must have... it wasn't just that I was coming off of, man. I've been taking pills and just all kinds of stuff. Man, I mean, I, I didn't have no, like, there was no, I didn't have no uh, limit. Like I said, the only thing I wouldn't do was stick a needle in my arm, all, all kinds of stuff, you know. But I mean, God saw me through it, you know. Uh, it's kind of crazy to say, to say that God saw me through those things, but man, I believe that He protected me because I've been pulled over, man, with, you know, lots of drugs in my car and they searched my car and, Never found it multiple times. This has happened, you know, and, um, man, there was some really good opportunities that I could have definitely went to jail or could have been killed or, uh, whatever. So, I mean, it was just God protected me, man, because he knew that, uh, 
I was going to be sitting here talking to you today. So going into the military, um, is that when your faith started growing? Well, you know that there's a there's a saying called uh, that there's there's a saying in the military that there's no atheists in a foxhole, and uh, that's kind of true, man. Because when when you're in a, a bad situation like that, if you have any kind of faith background at all, for me, you try you typically turn that way, and uh, you know, I, so that's kind of what I did. But it was still several years before before I came back to the Lord. Um, or actually came to the Lord because I, I had had a corporate relationship with the Lord when I was young, but I didn't have a personal relationship. And it took a long time for me to develop one, man, because uh, when I got out of basic training and went to AIT, you know, they gave us a little bit, a little bit of freedom. So uh, I knew drugs were off limits because they would get me kicked out. And if I got kicked out, I'd go right back to the life. So, you know, I started partying, drinking and, and all that. I know, man, you're just as shocked as I was. And, uh, so, uh, yeah, it was crazy, man. Like I started partying again and man, it was just, but during that time of my life, uh, you know, I met my wife, Beth and she, uh, she chased me down, man. She, she's from Ohio. So she never heard nobody talk like me, you know? So she was, uh, she was all about that country boy swagger and, thick southern draw so <laughs> <laughs> where are you from i'm from texas man born and raised in northeast texas cass county oh okay i'm in waxahachie texas okay yeah just right out there on the other side of dallas right yep yeah yeah yep so uh when you when you met your wife beth uh shout out to beth um yeah so uh, was she the, was she the turning stone of of your partying days or well sort of i mean when we first got together you know she was uh we was partying together and um you know for a while and then uh i don't know i, I wasn't really interested at first you know but she she kind of finally wore me down and um you know we finally got married but um we got married man and then she deployed like six days later and then i deployed the next year so the first two years of our marriage one of us was in iraq and, uh, you know, when we got back together, finally, we, there were two things that we knew for sure that we hated each other and only God could fix it. You know, she was raised in assembly of God church. Glory. Hallelujah. <laughs> and, uh, so she, she had a, she had kind of a faith, uh, faith base too. So, um, that's when we finally turned. I mean, we decided that, you know, I had two failed marriages and I'm her, I'm her only marriage, but we, we decided when we got back together, you know, see, she, she sent me divorce papers when we was in Iraq, man. And by some grace of God, man, uh, she never turned them in. I mean, I signed them and was going to send them to her. And then my mom, I, I talked to my mom one day. She told me that I needed to have a conversation with Beth. And I was like, no, I'm done. Cause I got, I don't want nothing to do with that. And she, she said, please, for me, just call her and have a conversation. And that's where we started to try to mend. We decided that day that we were going to do this. And, uh, you know, it's been 13 years later. So, and now, uh, you know, man, I'm so trained. I put the, I put the seat down in the men's room. You know what I'm saying? Uh oh, <laughs> so, oh, she got you good. She got you trained. Got <laughs> <That's> <laughs> you <right>. domesticated now. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> so, but it's good though, man. Yeah. You know, it's good. We like, we had, uh, and we, we got, we finally got together and we was living in the same house. Uh, heck, we were living in the same zip code. That was a heck of an accomplishment. 
you know, because she was stationed in Hood. I was stationed in Savannah. I mean, I'm sorry, in Highsville at uh, Fort Stewart. And it just took, like, a sergeant major that was uh, impressed by me, made some phone calls to get us together finally. And it was just a whole big deal, man. And, uh, but, yeah, we decided we, we found a local church. And uh, we went there. And about a month, we asked one of the pastors if they did counseling, marriage counseling stuff. And he said, yeah, he would meet with, meet with us. And uh, after a meeting, man, it didn't even take 30 minutes. And he was like, y'all are a little bit outside my area of expertise. So here's the name of this <laughs> marriage counselor <laughs> that I'm going to give you. <laughs> y'all going to need to, y'all going to need to talk to Dr. Steve. So we did, man. And we went, we seen him for a few years, man, honestly. And it, man, he taught us how to talk to each other and you know, how we were different. And he, 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 we, he navigated some pretty rough waters with this man because when we first got married, I, I wasn't interested in having kids. And Beth, that's all she ever wanted to be was a mama. And, you know, through Dr. Steve, I was able to tell her about the abortion that I paid for because a girl that I was getting high with came to me and got pregnant. And uh, she came to me, told me she's pregnant. And I was like, I did the only thing that I, that a responsible meth dealer would do, man. And I, I paid for her abortion, you know, and, and I was so scared to tell her that because, you know, we had been trying to have kids for uh, a, a while, you know, and had a couple of miscarriages. And I didn't really want to tell her because I didn't want her to think that, my sins were affecting her, you know? Yeah. Uh, but there's with Dr. Steve, man, he, uh, he helped us navigate that pretty well. She, and she responded, uh, different than I thought she would, you know? So she was uh, supportive and understood. And, um, but you know, God is, and his grace is just incredible because he's, he's forgiven me of all of that stuff. And, and, uh, man, he has just flooded our marriage and, it wasn't easy, man. I'll tell you that for sure. Like it was not easy. We didn't just pray one day and everything was sunshine and rainbows. Yeah. It was, uh, it was brutal, man. We had to do, we had to do a lot of hard work, but it's been worth it. You know, now we got four little ones, man, five and under, or well, let's see our twins are, our, we got twin girls that are four. We got a boy that's two and a, uh, two month old. And then, you know, I've got, of course, my two older kids from my, from my previous marriage. So we've got, six man it's like the brady bunch around here yeah i'm with you i got six too i got the the half oh, dozen man. that's what i'm talking about <laughs> yeah we're about to leave we, we leave tomorrow man headed down to florida and uh we're rolling out in the suburban dude so we'll we'll it'll be the first trip with uh well it'll be five of them. my son's stationed in new mexico he's active duty so he's not with us but um it'll be almost all of us so and what's your son's name jay jay Hey, Jay, you know, you come back to us. If you ever go across the street, you just come back to us safe. And, yeah, I, man. you know, you so so you have a military family. You know, you're in, you were you served, your wife served, now your son served. Any of your, your other children want to serve? Man, I don't know. Uh, I, I feel like, you know, it's kind of hard to tell at four years old, but, uh, you know, my, my daughter, my oldest daughter, she's, she just graduated college. She's, she got her first gig as a uh, music teacher. Oh, and, cool. Uh, you know, we're pretty happy about that. I, I don't think she's going to be going to the military, but some of my younger, young ones, my, you know, my, my granddad was in, uh, world war two. And, uh, my dad was in, uh, the air force. He was stationed in Korea. He never went to Vietnam, but he was in, in that era, you know, so we've got, uh, you know, our generations run deep in, uh, in the Yates family. Like I said, I, I didn't do it because I felt some sort of obligation, you know, it was just man circumstantial. So, but it, but it all worked out because it, it created a legacy that, uh, you know, we can pass down, 
you know, and now my son's serving and, and possibly some of these, some of these youngsters will be too. So we'll see. And through, through your trials and tribulations, um, and has God opened up more doors for you? I see that you have your own ranch, the, the Yates unicorn ranch. Yeah, man. So, uh, it's a funny story, man. That, so that Yates Unicorn Ranch started actually when I was in the Army. A lot of people think it's because of my twin girls. But, uh, man, when I was in the Army, I was an NCO, and people would, and my soldiers would come to me and say, hey, man, you know, I, I'm sorry. I'm, a, you know, my bad, sorry. I'm sorry I missed formation, or I can't do this detail because my car wouldn't start or my kid's sick or whatever. Finally, I got tired of it. I would be like, look, man, I get it. You had to walk your unicorn. And they say, oh, sorry, that's messed up, man. I'm like, no, it's cool, man. You got to take a unicorn to the vet. That's why you can't make it. And they're like, oh, man, that's messed up. And finally, I was just like, you know what? I'll tell you what, bring me your unicorn. I'll take your unicorn. I'll put it on my ranch and I'll take good care of it. And that way you can do what I need you to do. Or you can be at formation on time because it seems like your unicorn's super needy. So that's how the Yates Unicorn Ranch started. And uh, what we do now, man, it's it's incredible how God works. When I got out of the Army in 2017, God told me he's, that he said, man, you're, you're going you're gonna to start a knife making ministry. And I'm like, what? How does that? Because in my mind, in my human mind, I'm trying to figure out what that looks like. How do you make a knife making ministry? What is, how do I do that? You know, so but I started making knives and the more, the more I realized, or the more I learned about making knives, the more I realized how similar it is, like for a, a rock in the ground to become a knife, what it takes in a person to become a Christian, you know, a rock, it has to be melted and separated from the trash that it contains and then purified and made into a bar of steel. And that's kind of the beginning of its life because it came from the dust. Well, that's us, you know, we, we, we come out of our parents and we're separated, um, you know, from the rest of the group when, when we can see, right. So we, we separate ourselves and then we come into life and we go into environments, whether it be forced on us or, uh, the environments that we choose, but the environment represents the forge, you know, the forge represents the environment. We go in there and we become moldable and, uh, the hammer that I swing, uh, represents the decisions and choices that we make or that are made for us and they shape us, you know, and, and, uh, then when we get quenched in baptism, we become a new creation, just like a knife is not a knife until it's quenched and hardened, you know, but, um, so what we do now is I travel around and, and I give my testimony. Uh, I do a live forging demonstration and talk about, you know, the process from the rock to the knife and the person, my story and how I grew as a Christian. And, um, you know, it's uh, it's pretty incredible to see the transformation in the in the steel and how it is in how how a person becomes uh, a Christian and what God will forgive you from and and the things that you can just shake off when you give them to the Lord. And now we uh, we raise money to send people on missions. You know, missions is near and dear to my heart, and I've been on several mission trips uh, nationally, internationally, local mission trips, and things like that. And one of the biggest things that I hear whenever I'm putting a team together is, man, I would love to go. I really would, but I just don't have the money. So now, uh, you know, I got a nonprofit, the H Unicorn Ranch Ministries that we run. And that's what we do is we, uh, we remove that unicorn. We take that unicorn, we put it on the ranch because that's the biggest unicorn that people come up with when, when they, you know, when you proposition them to go serve somewhere, they're like, man, you know, I would, man, but I just don't have the money. Okay. Let me have that unicorn. I'll pay your way. Let's roll. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so that way, you know, they don't, they don't have to worry about the money. If, they, if people could just, I won't, and that's kids to go to camp, youth camp, any kind of missional work. I mean, I, I'm down to pay for, you know, that's, that's what I'm raising money for. 
and uh, man, that's how God has really worked in in this in this ministry. You know, I started out making knives as a business, trying to make it, trying to make a name for myself, making knives that were cool and you know, Damascus and this and that. I wanted to make the prettiest, coolest knife, and you know, I started getting a lot of compliments, and that started meaning something to me. And uh, man, when I started, when it started being important, like how much people like my knives, that's when I quit posting stuff on social media because I had gotten off focus. So now I don't really post a whole lot of my knives on social media. I need to increase my social media presence because that's how you get the word out. And as bad as I hate to admit that, that's it's just the times we live in, man. But, uh, you know, I, I, I don't ever want my anything that I ever make. I don't want it to be about me, man. I want it to be about the talent that the Lord has given me and, and how I can uh, provide a way for his people to, to, to go like he, like he challenges to in the great commission, man, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, you know? So yeah, I want to enable people to do that. Yeah. And you know, I was just thinking when you were, you were talking about the forging and how you were, you're molded in there, but you cannot just think, okay, you're, you're molded. You're, you're a child of God. You don't need to go and study the Bible because if you don't, mm. if you don't, um, uh, keep a knife sharp it gets dull so if you don't keep your mind sharp and your and your spirit uh sharpened your your whole life will start being dull and you then you start straying away and then rust starts coming if you don't oil your knife rust starts coming and you know i, I just yeah and that's where after i in the uh in the presentation you know after i quench the knife i, I talk about that i talk about what it takes to get you know because the knife is it's it's a knife now it's hardened but it has to be tempered so it has to go in the oven and sit for you know an hour and a half or two hours to because it's so hard that it, it, w- it wouldn't be able to sharpen it so you have to temper it and bring that hardness down and then you have to take it and and, and grind it and make it smooth make the bevel there you got to get your edge geometry right you got to sharpen it and all that stuff is like discipleship it is fellowship with other believers it is attending a bible teaching believing body of other believers you know and fellowshipping in the church and you know it reading your bible praying and learning how to communicate with the holy spirit and man discipleship is so clutch for everybody man whenever whenever somebody gives their life to the lord they need to immediately find them a paul and they need to find them also a timothy somebody that they can bring you know, teach the word to and somebody that they can be taught by and that will hold them accountable for uh, their growth as a Christian. Because, man, being a Christian, becoming a new creation, like the knife becoming or the bar still becoming a knife or a person becoming a Christian, it's not normal. I mean, unless you're a caterpillar, then it's like a random Tuesday. But yeah, uh, (laughs) so but it's not normal to be a Christian, especially in the world we live in today, man. So you got to you got to train yourself. You got to learn how to be countercultural. You got to learn how to live in a fallen world because it's not like before you give your life to the Lord, you're on easy street mostly because Satan's you're on, you're on his team. But when you, you know, a lot of people think that what we're supposed to do as Christians is get somebody to come down the aisle, pray the prayer, get dunked and do the deal. And we're done. Like that's the finish line. But man, truthfully, that's just the start, bro. Because mm-hmm. then, then we got to come come alongside them and teach them how to be a Christian in this fallen world, and it's it's difficult, man. It really is. Well, th- uh, you know, I want to thank you for coming on the show. We're we're coming up to the closing. 
um, I want to thank you um, for for sharing your testimony here to um, nourish uh, the people that are listening to say that it's never never too late to find your place with God and never, just just because you have done some unquestionable things in the uh, in the past or or if you feel like you're you're not worthy of his of his presence um, you are worthy because he had made you in his image and and he wants to be a part of your life he wants to walk with you he wants to be your comforter um, he wants to know that hey you make mistakes you are forgiven you just uh, you must repent and then move on um, yep. you know uh, and if you want more information I'll put down the website of uh yates uh unicorn ranch uh so i have that information for that and also your your mission uh you know your 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 mission donation so if you would like to donate to uh to yates uh uh mission uh i can't what what is it is it uh the yates ministry unicorn ranch ministry yeah yeah yates yates. unicorn ranch ministry so if you like to donate to them, uh, it's, it's in its website as well. So, but Corey, thank you so much, uh, for being on the show. Uh, I like to, yeah, man, thanks for having me. Uh, can you, uh, lead us out with a prayer? Yeah, I'd love to Father God. I thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to come and visit with, uh, Johnny. And I just pray that, uh, this, this, uh, message would reach somebody and change their life. Lord, if it's just one person, then we've all we've done it for for uh, for your glory, Lord. And I pray that uh, anything that uh, I share, Lord, that if people are going through it, that they would just know that you've got grace for that, because I'm living proof, Lord. And I pray that you would continue to bless Johnny and his in his ministry here, Lord, and uh, his audience, Lord. I just pray that you would be with them too. And I thank you for uh, the love and and uh, man, just the grace that you have for us, Lord. And I pray this in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. All right. Well, thank you again, Corey, for being on the show. I want to thank everybody for listening to the show. All the new listeners, just remember to like and uh, subscribe. Share it to your church. Share it to your friends who who live through addictions, who are who are who are curious about wanting to have that path with God, and they can listen to my guests, uh, their testimonies, or they can listen to my rambling. You know. If you like to hear my voice, uh, I, I don't like hearing my voice. I pre- pretty much fast forward if if I don't need to fix it on, on the recording. So um, I want to just let you know that iron sharpens iron. So right. if you need someone to talk to, you need someone to to help you go through there, you know, and you don't know how to pray, you don't, uh, you don't have a church, uh, feel free to contact me on the Johnny Taco Show uh, Facebook. Or you can email me at johnnytacospodcast at gmail.com. I I really hope y'all have a great week. It's going to be an awesome week. The Lord is uh, moving mountains uh, and moving obstacles every day. So, And if that's all I have today, so you have yourself an awesome day, night, something. <laughs>